You're listening to Everybody Pulls the Tarp, the go-to podcast for high performers. I'm Andrew Moses. Each week, you'll hear my thought-provoking conversations with Olympians, pro athletes, CEOs, elite coaches, best-selling authors, and other high performers to uncover their secrets to success. Get ready to be inspired each week when we talk about leadership, teamwork, work ethic, and more. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, everyone. This week, my guest is Kansas State University men's basketball head coach, Jerome Tang. Before joining Kansas State earlier this year, in March of 2022, Jerome spent 19 seasons with Baylor as an assistant and associate head coach. He helped lead Baylor to an NCAA national championship in 2021 and two consecutive Big 12 regular season titles in 2021 and 2022. As you will hear in our conversation, Jerome's story is one of relentless determination, a can-do spirit, and a commitment above all else to serve others. One of my favorite stories Jerome shared is from back when he was interviewing to be an assistant at Baylor. Baylor head coach Scott Drew invited himself over for dinner at Jerome's house. At the time, Jerome and his wife were struggling to make ends meet and had just $10.81 to their name. And they weren't exactly sure how they'd get a meal on the table. But that relentless determination and can-do spirit kicked in. Jerome and his wife scrounged up some ribs and pulled together a meal. Jerome eventually got the job, and everything that has happened since is truly remarkable. Our conversation is filled with timeless lessons that will help you personally and professionally. I'm already putting many of Jerome's lessons to work myself. Grab a pen and a notebook. I promise you, this one is absolutely jam-packed. So, let's pull the tarp and get straight to Jerome Tang. What have the last few months been like at K-State? The word whirlwind has been used multiple times, and it has been, but it's been a, a very joyful whirlwind. I remind myself every time things get going a little crazy that I prayed for this. You know, this is something I prayed for. And so I'm very thankful for this opportunity and blessed to be with the staff that I have and the people that I'm living life with right now. What an incredible opportunity. I want to start by going backpedaling in your career a little bit and talking about the time at Baylor and, and your, the circumstances that led to your arrival at Baylor. I read a story when you were hired at Baylor, you were, you were struggling to make ends meet, you and your wife, and you had a dinner with the head coach at Baylor. And you didn't even know how you were going to get a dinner on the table. You, you had $10.81 to your name and you scrounged up a few ribs. Tell me about that dinner. And, and specifically in that moment, what led you to believe that, that Baylor was the right place for you to take the next step in your career? Man, I've, I've always been a guy who I firmly believe that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And it wasn't something that I went looking for, but God connected the dots and, and brought it to that point. When I had to tell my wife that Scott Drew was coming to the house, like she didn't know that I went to Waco and spoke with him and the staff. And and then I had to tell her now this was going to happen. And he was coming to the house and she's a pull the tarp person, right? And uh, her both hands are on and, and whatever it is that, you know, we want to do together, she's all in on. And so we just scrounged up what we had and put together a meal. And, you know, it, it wasn't the meal, but it was Scott 
saying, Scott's dad had told him, if you have dinner at a man's house, you'll find out everything you need to know about him. And coach coming into my home at the time and, you know, my, my mother in love showed up and, you know, my son was two and got a spanking and, you know, we ate some ribs and, you know, but it was him seeing who we were as people and just the champ that my wife is. And I believe I, I know that's what sold Scott on us was because, you know, I mean, he saw what a great recruiter I was because he saw my wife. <laughs> what a great point. He could see exactly he could see exactly what type of recruiter you were. I love that story, coach. And then, and obviously you get to Baylor as an assistant and you're part of a massive rebuild at Baylor coming there, you know, during very difficult circumstances for Baylor. The the program is rebuilding. How did you begin to sell the program to recruits and their parents and the community? Did you just inherently believe how did you sell the program? At that point, because it was a it was an uphill battle. Well, you know, I always believe that wherever I'm at, it's the best place in the world. And when I was at Heritage Christian, the, the Christian private school, and I was the youth pastor at the church, I didn't think that there was a better place for any young person to be. You know, with the the people that were there and the nurturing environment and how we loved guys and young people and helped them get better on and off the court. And so nobody could convince me that there was a better place for someone to go to. And when I got to Baylor, I didn't believe that there was a better program for anyone to be involved in because of the people that we had and the environment that was there. And, you know, when when you're passionate and you really believe in something, it's not hard to to sell it or for people to to realize it. And obviously not everybody jumped on board initially, but, you know, over the years, the results proved themselves. And that's exactly what we're going to do here at, at Kansas State. I, I firmly believe this is the best place in the world for any young man to be. And I've got the best staff in America. And this environment that we have is, is just unbelievable to be a part of. And I want people around me that believe that, that they believe that there's no place better that they would want to be. Besides talent on the floor, what are you looking for on the recruiting trail? I want guys who are really addicted to the game of basketball. Like they can't live without it. And guys who have a, a chip on their shoulder, like they've, they feel like they've been overlooked. And that's, that's who I am. You know, I mean, I, I am super passionate about the game of basketball and I'm, you know, my gift is ministry. And so I, I mean, I'm all about developing the whole person. But I know that I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. And I know that I've got to outwork the next guy. And I know that everybody thinks the next guy is better than I am. And so, you know, that's the thing that drives me that, you know, I've got to do the extra things in order just to be equal with the other person. And, you know, that, that, that inspires me every morning to get up and work a little bit harder. Where do you think that comes from, coach? Is that something that you think you were born with that was instilled in you by your parents that you developed over time? Where does that work ethic come from? Uh, and definitely my parents. My dad was an orphan. Uh, his father passed away when he was really young, you know, grew up in an orphanage and then got out and made his way. You know, my mom, same thing, you know, both immigrants from Trinidad, they became U.S. citizens and never flinched, didn't look at their situation. You know, they saw everything as an opportunity. And um, man, we never lacked for anything. I didn't. I didn't know that we didn't have because I never felt like we lacked. Whatever we had, we, we were thankful for, and made the most of. My dad got up every morning, 
4.30 in the morning and went to work. My mom was a custodian for 20 years and I would go to work with her at night sometimes. And I learned how to buff floors. I learned how to do all those things. And all those little things that I learned from my mom about how to clean a school paid off because when my wife and I, Ray, when we were at Heritage Christian, in order to make ends meet, we were the janitors at the school and the church. And so I knew how to buff floors and clean classrooms and all the things that needed to be done. And But my mom taught me that at a young age. And so all those little things that, that I learned as a young person, and, and I don't know that I may have had the best attitude approaching it, right? I'm not telling you I went in with a smile on my face to do it, but I knew that's what we had to do as a family. And But I learned those things and then I saw how it paid off for me when, you know, I was a young married man trying to make ends meet for my family, you know, that I had that skill because my mom, you know, made me go to the school and help her, you know, when I was younger. Coach, part of being a head coach and I'm sure an assistant coach is wearing a lot of hats, right? There's plenty of things that you have to focus on. It's in talking to so many elite coaches, I've learned that it's so much bigger than the X's and O's and just what happens on the court. There is so much to the role. And I can't help but think that, like you described there, all the little things that you saw your mom do and you saw your dad do play a part in, in making you a, a more well-rounded leader, a more well-rounded coach. Yeah, most definitely. And my, my role growing at Heritage Christian, I was the athletic director. I was the basketball coach. I was the youth pastor at the church. So there was a lot of different areas that I had to balance how to deal with with people, you know, and, and this is a, a people business, right? And uh, some people, for some some of us in this business, it's transactional. And for some of us, it's relational. And for me, it is definitely relational and how I deal with people and learning to treat everyone the right way, regardless of whether they can do something for you or not at that time is been really important. And I learned that from working in the church. I learned that from being an athletic director. I learned the importance of uh, a rising tide raises all ships and wanting all programs to be successful. And so that's why, I mean, on a college campus, I'm on the football, I'm at football practice, I'm at volleyball practice. I'm, you know, I mean, I, I'm trying to learn from everybody. And so it, it's a, just a great environment to be in. How do you balance? I mean, obviously, college basketball and elite college basketball like like you're a part of is is a results business you know it at the end of the day it it does come down to a lot of the success on the the floor and it's no different in business you know whether you're a coach whether you're a business leader it's a results oriented business how do you balance the blend of there has to be on court on floor results with also the fact that your players are people first how do you do that dave aranda the head football coach at, at Baylor, his thing is the, the person over the player. And, uh, you know, that, that concept, I, I've really kind of grabbed hold of that. And, and I've always felt that way. And I've always conducted my life that way, that he just was able to phrase it better, <laughs> you know, and so I've stolen that from him. But, you know, I, 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 it starts with our staff. And I believe that Things can't be well at the office unless things are well at home. And so it is very important to me that my my staff, those who are married, those who are, are single and dating, that the things at home are taken care of first. And we, we learned that from the Navy SEALs. 
before they ever go on a mission, they get together and talk about everything that's going on at home. If there's a bill that needs to be paid, if there's something that's going wrong, they take care of all of that so that when they go on the mission, their mind never wanders about something that needs to be done back at the house. And so I, I want to make sure my staff is taken care of at the house, that their wives understand that we value them, that their time is important to us and that, that we take care of the home. Because if we do that, then when we come to the office, we can be really focused on what we need to do as far as building this program the right way. And then when we get on the court with our players, they see whole men. They, they see men who who handle things the right way, and then they can emulate that. And I believe if you have that process in place, the results will take care of itself. Is that something where you believe that the players, it's one thing for it to be a tagline or a statement, but if the players see you and and the rest of your staff actually modeling that behavior, that it really ingrains that, that mindset into them as well? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, everyone talks about family. Right. Uh, We're a family. We're a family. But if they're never around our family or if we are never around our own family, what does that mean? What does family really mean? You know, and, and I want the guys in our program to see what being a family looks like. And we can't give them what we don't have. Okay, And so that's why we have family dinners at our house. And all of our staff with their kids come over the other night. It was 45 people at the house, you know, and going forward, it's going to be the same thing. But when our houses are all situated here, we're going to actually cook the meals ourselves instead of catering it in. And I want them to see how I interact with my wife and my kids and how my staff, how they interact with their wives and their kids. And because I want our guys, I mean, our, our responsibility as leaders is to develop men who are going to become great husbands and great fathers. And it doesn't matter if they become great basketball players. If they don't get those two things, then we're failing our community and our society. Coach, I'm curious, when you sit your team down, and and, and you're alluding to, I think, some of these right here, what are the minimum standards? What are the, you have to do this. This is a standard in our program. You're alluding to some. Are there others that just emanate through the entire K-State program? A Jerome Tang program? A Jerome Tang program, we have three non-negotiables, okay? And one is that we're going to be on time. And, you know, for me, the definition of early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. And that goes all through life because if you're late to an appointment, you're telling that person you don't respect their time. And time is the only thing that we can't get back. Okay, so we we have to value the other person by showing that we value their time. And it translates to the court because if you're late on defense, you know, you're going to get scored on. But but in life, you know, showing people that you value them, it's showing that you respect their time. The second thing is that we're going to be thankful and really appreciative of what we've been given and and doing that by paying attention, you know, to are we going to be early to class? We're going to thank our teachers for for preparing a lesson plan for us. We're going to sit in the first two rows and we're going to give great eye contact. And afterwards, we're going to thank them because that's their game day for our professors. And we're going to do that 
with our tutors and with our learning specialists and our academic advisor, but every aspect of the program, we're going to be appreciative of what we're given and not take it for granted. And then finally, we're going to be just great communicators. You know, and uh, if somebody texts you, you're going to text back. If somebody calls, you're going to answer the phone. You know, if something is going wrong, you're going to, you know, pick up the phone and and let somebody know, or you, you know, we're going to be great communicators. And those, those three things, those are non-negotiables and you know, then everything else will fit in around that. Coach, you talk about the concept of going one and zero every day and one and zero in everything. How do you break big, ambitious goals into manageable steps? What's an example of something that we could go one and zero in today? Well, I mean, that's exactly what you just said. We just if you try to, our overall concept is we want to win the day, right? Now, what, what does that look like? And so we talked to our guys about getting up in the morning and eating breakfast, right? If we eat a good breakfast, we went one and oh. You know, if you don't eat a good breakfast, you went oh and one, but you know what? You're going to reset. After, if you went one and oh, you're going to reset and be, you know, on time for class. And you just went one and oh. Then you're going to pay attention in class and, you know, take notes and you're going to go one and oh there. And when you leave the class, you're going to go eat a good lunch, Right. And then we're going to come have a workout and go one and oh. And after every step of the day, we're going to reset. And at the end of the day, if we've gone one and oh, more than we've gone oh and one, then we've won the day. And when you stack those kind of days on top of each other, then that's going to get you the results you want at the end. Okay. And uh, and so that that's real easy to, you know, I have this saying, uh, my definition of toughness is the ability to do the next right thing. And so if you, mess up in the first aspect, you went 0 and 1, a tough person does the next right thing. A soft person lets that snowball into a whole day of 0 and 1. And so building that whole concept of doing the next right thing, that's really going to be real important for us. That's so interesting, Coach. I love that concept that you share that. I'm curious, can you put your finger on like when you know that a team could be great as opposed to good? Can you see that difference? Man, I, I'd like to tell you that I can. I can't put it into words, okay? But like you can feel it and sense it in how they, they communicate with each other, how they compete against each other, how they interact on and off the court with each other. And it's, there, there's not like a, a single recipe for it because there's a, we always say there's a lot of ways to get to four, you know, one plus three is four, you know, two times two is four. Everyone has a different way to get there. The goal is to get to four. And, you know, some people only get to 3.9, you know, 3.5. And, and that's just good. You know, four point, you know, oh, is the great. And, you know, I've seen it, but I, I can't quantify it. But I know when it's when it's getting there. And, you know, we've got a ways to go, but we're going to get there. How do you? In college sports, obviously, there's there's so much turnover. The athletes come and go. How do you build consistency? How do you build something that's sustainable? Well, in order to to build consistency, and it you have to have what we had at Baylor was consistency in the staff, and then there was a a vocabulary that was spoken in how we approached everything. So, so our terminology, our, our language was the same and it just permeated through the program, right? And so for, for me, it's getting a consistent staff that understands the vision 
goes down. And now, now you got to get guys that are going to come and stay, right? And so why do people stay? All right, and this is for me. We're going to tell the truth in recruiting, okay? And that means sometimes you're not going to get someone because you're going to tell them the truth. Hey, it's going to be tough. You're not going to play much early, okay? But if you tell them something different and then they get a different result when they get there, they're going to leave anyhow. So we're going to tell the truth in recruiting. Then we're going to love them when they're, they're here. I mean, we're going to really love them, love them enough to tell them the truth and to care about every aspect of their lives. And then finally, we're going to tell them where they're at and where they're going. And I think young men want to know where they're at. You know, how, how am I doing, coach? And then where am I going and have a system in place to help them get to where they want to get to. And all those aspects correlate to having consistent results, which will then get you what you want at the end. How do you tailor the approach to the different personalities and the different types of people? I mean, everybody comes as an individual, but they're part of a team. How do you do that? No, that's, that's really good. We use a, the DISC assessment. You know, it really tells you like the personality of your players and how to communicate with them, right? Now, it's the standards going to remain the same, right? The result that we want is going to remain the same, but the message that we, how we deliver the message to an individual is going to be different. Some people understand numbers. Some people understand passion. Some people understand pictures. You know, some people have to write it and read it, you know, but the message will be the same. The delivery of the message will be the way the young person can best assess that information. And how do you create an environment, Coach, where a bunch of individuals who who may have individual aspirations, right? They may want to go to the league. They may have an idea as to how much they should play. How do you get a group of individuals to care more about the name on the front of the jersey than they do on the back? That's really like, I think about this all the time, especially when you think about like NBA teams, right? NBA teams, you have 15 guys and they're all their own businesses and they're all pursuing the same thing. And like they're, they're pulling from the same pot of whatever, but yet you want them to work together when as an individual business, it might be better for them not to. Well, with NIL, the portal, everything that's been thrown into college basketball now, we are pretty much a, an NBA franchise. We are a professional franchise with 13 different businesses who all want the same thing, right? The, the pot that's out there for whether it's NIL, playing time, shots, you know, whatever it is, interviews after the game, who gets to talk to, to Holly Rowe or Chris Budden after the game? You know, I mean, they all want that, you know, and uh, how do you get them all on the same page? And I believe that, like, you got to create a narrative, a picture. You have to get guys to understand that what they're doing is for something bigger than themselves. And that's why for our guys, it's about sharing their stories. And uh, we spend a, we're going to spend a lot of time of each guy getting to know the other guy and why they do what they do. And I think at the end of the day, what we find out is people's why is never themselves. It's never really the money. It's never really the, the fame. Really, it's about either mom or dad back home 
or grandma who helped raise them or or someone who invested in their lives. So we all do what we do, usually for someone else. And we're willing to do things for other people that we're not willing to do for ourselves. And so if I can get these guys to understand that what they're doing is for somebody else and really embrace that. And I don't want them to not play for the name on the back. That name on the back is really important. That's who they are. That's their history, their heritage. That's the, I mean, that's who they are. I just want the name on the back of somebody else's jersey to mean as much to them as the name on the back of their own. And if we can do that, then we can all come together and play for the name on the front. Coach, I have had an absolutely fantastic time talking to you. Before I let you go, I just want to know if someone's out there listening and they're thinking about getting into coaching or they're thinking about getting into leadership in any industry, what would your advice be? Well, I think we're, we're all leaders, right? There's, it's not a get into. You are a leader wherever you're at and you're either leading in one direction or the other. And so I would say choose to impact lives for the best right? Think about others a little bit more than you think about yourself. I'm not telling you to think less of yourself. I'm telling you just to consider the other person a little bit more. And and when we invest in other people, there's no greater joy than watching them have success. I mean, it's like as a parent, watching my kids open presents on Christmas day is a whole lot more fun than me opening my own present. And I think it's like that in life. When we watch and we truly can celebrate other people's success and and help other people achieve success, we gain so much more from that. And, And leadership is about influence. And if you can influence someone to live a better life, to have a better experience, I mean, there's there's nothing greater than that. Coach, there is no question. You are a tarp puller through and through in every definition of of the everybody pulls the tarp mindset. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me this a few minutes with me this week. I can't wait to root on K-State and see what, what's next in store for your career. Thank you, Coach Tang, for spending some time with me. Man, thank you very much for having me. This has been a pleasure. And go Cats. Go Cats. Thank you for joining me this week. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you can catch all of our upcoming episodes. And if you are like me and want a world full of tarp pullers, then leave a review to help others find us. You can also follow me on Twitter at Andrew H. Moses. That's Andrew H. Moses. And be sure to sign up for my email newsletter at everybodypullsthetarp.com slash newsletter. I'll share tips and insights to help you achieve maximum success and happiness. Today's a great day to pull the tarp. I am rooting for you. See you next time.